it's gotten so personal for me that I run into people on a consistent basis that shake my hand and say, hey, Sean, how you doing? And the next day they're dead. And that's how bad this problem is. I mean, I was in the courthouse last month. I ran into a guy catching up with me. He was there two minutes. I walked out the next day, he overdosed and died. Welcome to an episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm joined by some of the people behind the movie Heroin's Grip, Sean Nicholson, the executive producer and director, producer, all-around guy behind the project, Conrad Weaver. How's it going? It's going great. We're excited to be at this place in the game. Two years of hard work. So we are on uh, September 25th, so you're literally at the finish line. Yes, we are. We had a pre-screening reception on Sunday evening for our sponsors and people involved in the film. And tomorrow, Wednesday, September 26th, is our world premiere for the film. And it's at FCC, right? It is at FCC, yes. We're having a 7 p.m. showing and a 9 p.m. showing. 7 p.m. was sold out within 24 hours. 9 p.m. is about halfway there. And after that, is it going to go digital? It will go a variety of ways. Right now, I'm in talks with Regal Cinemas. They're very interested in the project. And if we get hooked in with them it potentially could go nationwide. So for people that haven't heard of Heroin's Grip, it's a documentary about the opioid crisis, right? Yes, it's a documentary about the opioid crisis focusing in on Frederick County. The little tagline is telling the stories from the front lines of the opioid and heroin crisis here in our county. We explored and dove deep into all different aspects of everyone who's involved on the tip of the spear of this problem from active users to people in recovery to the police to the medical situation to health care to mental health care and families who've lost their loved ones. We've kind of covered the whole gamut of it. So this is a way that you can see the faces of every aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. We see people using. We see people in recovery. And we talked to one of the leading medical experts in the country on addiction and how opioids impact the brain, how it affects the brain. And his talk was just amazing. And we actually put his whole description of five minutes worth in the film where he talks about opioids and what happens in the brain when you use it. It helped me understand it better. And my wife was with me when we filmed it. And she was like, wow, I understand this thing now, at least from a, you know outside person, because I've never used opioids in, in that way. So it really helped us both understand it. What was the thing that convinced you to make this project? So several years ago, a friend of mine here in the city, uh, Caressa Flannery, told me about her son, and he had been involved in heroin, selling, using, all of the above, and just the struggles she went through with it. And then some other friends of mine, their son, who's also in the film, told me their story, and then just hearing it in the news over and over again. And I'm a filmmaker, and so I decided, you know, I can't just sit on the sidelines and turn my head away because that's what most of us do. We think, oh, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't impact me. It's their problem. It's not our problem. It's their problem. So I decided to get involved for better or for worse, for wherever that would take me. And it's really changed my view. It's changed my thoughts and my attitude toward people in addiction and in recovery. And I think if it can change me, I think it could change anybody. It took you two years to make this. Right. And I feel like it's only gotten worse. I think it has in some respects. I think specifically in the use of fentanyl, that heroin's being cut with. I mean, one of my subjects in the film, when he was at the depth of his addiction, he was shooting straight fentanyl. It's so powerful. That is really the cause of the spike in overdose deaths in our region and around the country is the the introduction of fentanyl into the, the whole thing. I mean, just a small little dot of it could cause you to overdose. And it's caused even like a police officer in Ohio on the news. He was arresting someone, got some fentanyl on his uniform, brushed it off, overdosed. That's how powerful this stuff is. And I think that's what's kind of changed the game and and caused those. Even though the reported overdoses 
may have decreased. And I think that's a result of Narcan, the wide availability of Narcan, that you know many users now carry Narcan with them or their friends do. And so if they're overdosing and they're given a shot of Narcan and they recover, they're not going to call EMS. They're not going to call the police. So those aren't records that are kept. So sometimes those numbers can look like they're coming down, but the deaths are still spiking. What was it like to convince people to be a part of something that may even be shown nationally? Right. And that was a challenge. In fact, one of my subjects, who's kind of the main character in the story, he was in recovery four times from the first time we interviewed him. So that was a challenge just to stay in touch with him. Initially, he was like, okay, yeah, well, I'll think about it. And then he was like, okay, let's do this. But then it was like I'd contact him and he was MIA. And so that was one of the bigger challenges of just, especially those people who are trying to get into recovery, trying to stay in recovery, trying to stay healthy, but aren't. That there was another subject that actually didn't appear in the film, who I was scheduled to do an interview with her, and she didn't show. Because she had, from the day before, she had gone back to using. That was the challenge of just, am I going to have a subject to interview? Are they going to be dead? Because that was a very real possibility. I think all the families that I interviewed that I work with, and really there's four main families featured in the film, they were very receptive, even the two families who lost their loved one. And they're, at this point, they're more outspoken. In fact, the one which was featured in a program that Frederick City Police did at FCC called Alyssa's Story. So Shannon, she initially said yes, and we did the interview, but in her first interview, she was just, it was pretty raw, pretty raw emotion, because it was a very short time from her daughter's, I mean, her, I mean, her daughter was 17 when she died. And so... We ended up reshooting that interview because I got more deeper stuff out of her later because she's a little more removed from it. This is deep, dark stuff that people don't always want to just bear their soul on, especially families, the parents who's talking about their son or their daughter. This is the path they went down. That's some dark stuff. And mm -hmm. who wants to do that? Who wants to expose that? But fortunately, and I shared this with the group the other night, that I was so appreciative that they did. In the end, they just kind of spilled their guts, even to the point of, yeah, our finances are gone. We've lost everything to help our kid. And I'm so thankful for the families who were willing to just kind of put it all on the table and say, this is where we're at. This is what happened. And this is our story. And I think those kind of stories are what helps make this film powerful. And there's one Frederick City police officer who's kind of like a friend of mine who saw it the other day. He said she kind of is kind of the glue that holds the whole thing together. Desiree Palmer, she's an amazing officer. I did several ride-alongs with her, including one that we arrived on a fatal overdose. Her sister's in full addiction, and so she's dealing with it on the family side, then dealing with it on the street. And so her attitude toward it has changed over the years because of her sister's addiction. So her story mixed in with the four families and then other viewpoints to kind of help support all of that, really make a complete story. And, and really my goal from the beginning was to not just show this dark, deep garbage that all of us can see and we hear a lot, but let's show some hope. Let's give people hope. And just the other night, as we did a pre-screening, one of the people who was there, she said, thank you for giving us hope. I mean, the film really does bring, and Sean can maybe speak to that in a little bit, but the film really does end with, there is hope. If you choose to walk toward it, if mm -hmm. you choose to receive hope, there is hope for everyone in recovery. There's hope for families who are struggling with this. And there's help. And I think that's the real message that we want to give. I mean, just this week, there was two suicides in Thurmont of two people who were using, and they felt hopeless to get out of using. And so they killed themselves. There is hope for people in addiction. There's hope for people in recovery. There's hope for families who are struggling with this. 
and they just have to reach out to it and ask for it sometimes. With your filmmaking history, have you always covered serious topics? This is a really change for me because my two previous films that were feature documentaries were agriculture films. Really? Yeah. So the first one that I've produced that came out in 2014 was called The Great American Wheat Harvest. We went out west. We followed these harvesters from Texas to Montana in the wheat fields of the Central Plains and told their story. And that film did very well. We aired on PBS in the Midwest and won an Emmy Award for it. So then my second film coming out of that was called Thirsty Land. It's about the story about the drought in the American West and the impact on agriculture. So those two films are quite a bit different yeah. than Heroin's Grip. This was a, a very different genre, or guess story genre for me. Was it different finding partners for those different kinds of projects? It was. I had built some big relationships with agriculture, with big ag, and had some amazing sponsors and supporters out there. So this, I was brand new. I mean, I was, I'm not new to Frederick, but I was new to telling this story. So when you're making a film, you always kind of figure out who the stakeholders are, who to approach to ask for a big check. And that's really the hardest part about filmmaking is getting people to open their wallets. And that's where I was so fortunate to bring in Sean to partner with me in helping to raise money and did an amazing job with that. And I think it's probably my best film to date. So I do want to ask you, Sean, so you're the executive producer. How late into the project do you get involved? What was fundraising for this like? So I originally had been asked to share my story. Um, next month will be three years in recovery, clean and sober. And he reached out to me and was looking for some material. And I shared my story with him and then had gotten to some nonprofit work. And he had reached out and said, listen, we're going to need some help with this navigating and quarterbacking some of what this looks like. And he really honestly had had no experience with addiction other than some of his friends had been touched and affected. So we kind of helped paint the picture and started steering in the right direction. And we were able to go out into the community and through just the relationships that we had built and I had built, we were able to get what we needed. And I think the problem is so prevalent and there's so many people being affected by this that honestly, it wasn't really that hard to get this money. It's a story that needs to be told. And a lot of people really want to know and see what's going on in this community. So when we went out to FMH and Stalford Funeral Homes, Glad Hill Furniture, Frederick County Bank, Frederick Fence, multiple donators stepped up immediately and were willing to back him and his credentials and his credibility and documentary making obviously helped that very much. So with some of those partners, were they also featured in the film? You said Stauffer. I don't want to like go to the darkest possible, but they're a funeral home. Did you guys do anything with funerals? Yeah, we did. Actually, we had Stauffer's work with me from the front end and said, hey, will we see this every week? And we'll find some families who are willing to share their story. And we attended two funerals. And so you see that in the film. You see open caskets, you see bodies, and you see people grieving. And I wanted to show that raw emotion, that raw footage, because that's the reality of this. And that's really, it was amazing that these families were like, yeah, please come to our funeral, come to this funeral. You can do anything you want to do here. And they gave me just open, it was really a, a privilege to be there and to kind of stand on the sidelines and observe and then to film. And Stauffer's team were great with this. They're such professionals in this field and just very caring for the families that they work with. And so we're very thankful for them. And they're, I mean, not only their support financially, but they're opening doors for us where we may not have had that opportunity before. You said you did a wheat film, you did a drought film. I can't imagine you ran into too many dead bodies. <laughs> Emotionally, what is it like knowing that you are going to be putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be filming mm -hmm. and focusing so heavily on death? That was challenging. And especially the day that we rolled up on a fatal overdose. And you walk in into the house, the parents are just beside themselves. 
and there's a body laying in the bathroom. And I was very careful not to identify anyone, but just personally being there, I had to go home. I had to go home and just kind of decompress. And then I thought to my friend Desiree, Officer Palmer, who's seen this week after week after week, and these emergency medical technicians who see it week after week after week, sometimes every day, you know, thinking, what's the toll on them? I can get over because I can walk away and I don't have to see it again. But they see it every week or every day. And for you, Sean, being involved in this project, like having to relive maybe the worst part of your life. Honestly, I spent a lot of my time, energy, and effort helping people get into inpatient treatment or into sober living environments or just making good decisions and really honestly keeps me out of trouble and it's my purpose and gives me fulfillment. So I'm kind of in the trenches on a daily basis, unfortunately. And it's sad to say that I've kind of come desensitized to some of it, honestly. And some of my closest friends, one of them being Desiree Palmer, who I speak with on a daily basis, the officer that's featured in the film, you know, I can see where their struggle is on a daily basis, like he says. And it's gotten so personal for me that I run into people on a consistent basis that shake my hand and say, hey, Sean, how you doing? And the next day they're dead. And that's how bad this problem is. I mean, I was in the courthouse last month. I ran to a guy. He's Sean. Hey, hey, catching up with me. He was there two minutes. I walked out the next day, he overdosed and died. I've had two guys that I sponsor. When I say I sponsor, I work a 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they've both died in the last 60 days. I've had two guys that I sponsor die. And so it's super sad, and it's becoming like part of my everyday life. So putting the film together was really just trying to bleed into this thing and have passionate about what I do on a daily basis and kind of paint a picture for somebody who has no idea what's going on because everybody's picking up a newspaper and they're seeing that people are dying and the, the president of the United States is talking about it and it's everywhere but really they don't have an idea what the whole picture looks like so Conrad stepped up big time and was able to really vividly in realistic form raw material paint that picture for this community and, and hopefully many other communities. And that's really what I was hoping to do with this because like someone like me who's kind of removed from it initially. I didn't know what all goes on in this. I didn't understand everything. And that's what I wanted to do with this film is to bring it to the public so that the general public can understand, can understand what addiction is. Even one of the family dads that was talking about his son, his son died. He was like, when we first found out he was using heroin, said, I didn't even know what addiction was. I just thought it was some personal problem that you got that you can get over. He said, I didn't understand the depth of what it really meant. And I think that's what most of us who aren't impacted by it. So that's why I want to make the film, to help people understand that, to help me understand that, but then to help the viewer understand that. I think we've accomplished that with the film, that when people see it, even Sunday night when we had someone watch it, they said, wow, I understand it a whole lot better now as to why people get caught up in this. How long is the film? With the credits, about 67 minutes. That's a really digestible amount of time. Right. If you film for two years, what was the edit of like that? Initially, I thought maybe 90 minutes. But once you get into the editing room, you kind of find the story. It kind of reveals itself to you. And so you have to trim the pieces that don't add to the story. So initially, it was a little bit longer. And then you just start trimming and and you tighten it up and, and you figure out what can I leave? What must I leave to carry the story? What can land on the editing room floor, so to speak, so that's a powerful story. And so it's a long process. I mean, the last three weeks, I've spent more hours in my dungeon of of an editing room than I (laughs) want to know. It was challenging because there's so many different rabbit holes you could go down with this story. But I had to narrow it down to one story to 
find that thread that goes through it. You also think a longer film runs the same risk as the crisis itself, where you could lose people eventually. Yes. It's too much. Yes. And they just check out. Right. Absolutely. I think that you have to leave people wanting more than saying, you're looking at their watch, when's this over with? The title, Heroin's Grip, where did that come from? When I work on a film, the first thing I do is I start researching websites. So I went through a list of different potential titles. In Heroin's Grip, that idea of something just grabbing hold of you and hanging on was really what kind of encapsulates this whole story because that's what heroin does. Heroin grips a person's life and can choke the life out of them. And so that just kind of stuck. And the website was available. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the so. thing. I'm always curious with like, these artistic directions. Like, was that the first thing you rolled up where I was like, hey, no one took that? Like all of my films that I've done websites for, and I've produced you know, websites for all of them and social media sites and yeah. all that stuff, I kind of start there just when I'm thinking of names. I mean, you want something obviously that is available and that you can use. And so I was very thankful that heroinscript.com was available and we bought it right away. But I think it does tell the story in a two-word sentence. Very curious with independent films. Do you have plans for like a Blu-ray with deleted scenes, like extended interviews or any of that kind of stuff? We're working on that. It'll start with, hopefully, if we get into Regal Cinemas, we'll see how that goes. But we're also submitting it to film festivals around the country. That's often a great way to get it in front of potential buyers. But more importantly, we're going to be taking the film and possibly cutting it down slightly to create a package for schools. Because we want to get this thing into, you start with Frederick County schools, then into Maryland schools, then schools around the country. And you can't do that with a 67-minute film. you got to cut it down to something that's under an hour, probably 30 minutes, that will be able to be used in a school program, have a speaker come in, do some Q&A, do some talking, and then show the film as well. But I think that is kind of my priority because I want you to use this as an educational tool. Also, I've been approached from people in the region, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, even Ohio, that they want to bring the film to their local community. So we're looking to screen it at events in local communities, not only here regionally, but around the country. And that's what I did with some of my previous films. And those kind of events are very, very successful because you get people coming who want to learn more and you start a dialogue. And really, that's what often these events do. They really get people to talking, talking about the issues, talking about solutions and things like that. And that's what we hope to do with this project as well. So will you be traveling with the film? I hope so, yes. That's, so we have a package that actually I'll have tomorrow night at our premiere that people can take with them if they choose. That gives them several options. Probably in the spring, we'll release a Blu-ray slash DVD option that if they want to do a local screening without having someone there. But initially, I'll come along with it perhaps Sean as well, and some other people involved in the film. So now that you've seen the final product, Sean, what in particular resonates the most with you? Well, I'll be honest, from the beginning, I was concerned with him not having the education of the addiction side, how it all come together, and you know, anxiety, and I saw placements of things that came about, and I saw a rough cut, and, and I was like, wow, he really does know what he's doing, and um, I was in tears at the premiere the other night on Sunday. I was in tears just to see how vividly he painted this picture. What stuck out to me the most was hope. And that's what we our goal was from the beginning, was that although people have lost lives and families have lost loved ones, that there is a way out and that things do get better for people. And that I think he gave meaning and purpose to the families who have had losses because their story is being told to help others who need that help and need hope. And so it gives them a little bit of feeling 
going like, wow, this had a purpose and this, you know, this loss can be something in somebody else's struggle can be strength through their story. And so that was really the most encouraging thing to me that I knew that regardless of how biased the room was that everybody was involved, had given their money or had participated in the film, that this was something that could reach any dynamic and that they could be touched just the way that everybody in that room was touched. And so I think that moving forward, it will be successful and people will understand really what addiction looks like from a every kind of aspect possible. You know, one of the things that I hope that this film does is as it's played in other communities, that they kind of see what's happening here in Frederick and say, you know what, we can do that. Or, okay, I lost my kid. Why don't we start something and start going into schools and teaching people? Because that's really one of the families that we we featured in the film who lost their son. They're very active, and I think they host two support groups, one for families that have lost their loved ones, another one for families who are have a loved one in active addiction. And that came as a result of their son who they lost, being an inactive addiction. And so they're taking their grief and turning it around and bringing hope to others. And if we can take this film and do the same thing and just showcase that around the country that, yeah, you've lost your loved one, you're, you're suffering, but you can also use that as a springboard to bring hope to someone else, to bring something good out of just a tragedy. Is there also an idea for maybe distribution through some of the local nonprofits that deal with this? Yeah, eventually that would certainly be available for organizations, for treatment centers, for places like that. I've already been asked by some treatment centers, can we show this film at our place for our people who are getting treatment? And that will absolutely be available. Thank you so much for telling me about Heroin Script. People should be able to see this. You got to check out this film. I end every interview with the exact same question. I'm doing my best to do my tonal shift. What has you excited? What are you looking forward to? Oh, boy. I'm looking forward to a weekend away with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) We're going out of town next weekend and uh, just looking forward to just get away and just kind of clear my mind and looking to the future as to what's coming next and got some other projects that are percolating. I was going to ask you about your next film, but I feel like right now it's all Heroin's Grip. I've been working on another project actually a little bit longer than Heroin's Grip. I'm executive producer on a film that actually a movie movie, a feature narrative that we're working on that uh, is in development. We're a little ways yet from rolling film, but it's going to be a fun project. It's not a documentary, but it's based on a true story. All right, we'll have to get you back for that. Sean, uh, what are you looking forward to? What has you excited? I think that, like I said, our goal was education, and so while I do my work and I'm in the trenches trying to continue to help people in recovery or to get in recovery, that this is something that we can use to bring light to the issue. And so when I continue to do fundraising for my nonprofit efforts, that this is something that will really give me a better angle or avenue to show, because in an hour, I can really kind of tell them what's going on without them having to see it multiple different directions over a period of time. I'm excited about my next project, looking to open up a recovery high school here in Frederick County in the next two years through Phoenix Foundation. And really, that's where my focus is, the kids. And again, just like getting this into the schools, it was really a passion of mine to focus on the kids. There's so much problem, so much death, so much loss on the back end in society and this addiction issue and this opiate crisis. And we're really just barely maintaining, whether it's with maintenance drugs or Narcan or programs and treatment, if we're going to shift this thing at all, we got to get in front of it. And really, that starts with our kids. And so, you know, nine out of 10 people that suffer from substance abuse issues started when they were in adolescence. And so my focus and energy is there. And that's what I'm looking forward to helping the kids. Thank you both for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having us.